Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu melech haolam, asher barkarbanu mikol hamim, venantan lanu et torato, Baruch atah Adonai, notein ha-Torah, Amen. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, may you grant us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts and minds that know that you are Adonai, our God. Amen. Amen. Well, shalom, everyone. This is Shomer Man and Nair Yarok, a.k.a. Mr. Ariel. And he is so gracious to join me as we begin the series of the Egedit to the Romans. So, Nair Yarok, how you doing? Brukashem, amen to that. I'm doing excellent. Thanks so much. It had a wonderful first day of Tibet. Man, right? Or Shabbat, Shabbat. Sorry, Shabbat. Yes, Shabbat. We send it to Tibet. Tibet was an awesome month, but we're actually glad it's over because Shabbat is where the awesomeness just drops out. So, you know. <laughs> well, it definitely has been dropping out in, in Parsha Bo. <laughs> right? For real. So, um, just to let everyone know, uh, Neri Arok will be our reader. So, we are reading from the Orthodox Jewish Bible. Because it does a really good job of not only putting in some transliteration for us to begin to get some depth on the Hebrew, but it comes from a very, uh, it has a very Jewish feel to it. So what better way to read a Jewish letter than to have a Jewish feel? So he will be reading that. And I also have on backup a wonderful gift that was given to me. Uh, it is a translation of English and Hebrew of the letters. So I will be using that as well. So we're going to be in chapter one of the letter to the Romans. So please join us. And Nariya Roke, go ahead and take it away. Excellent. Well, I just want to say I'm, I'm delighted and honored to come on the podcast with you. Uh, Torah Rabah, for sure, for giving me the opportunity to speak with you, the words of Torah. And uh, may it be edifying to all who have ears to hear. And, uh, and obviously exalt Hashem um, in his name. So, And I want to thank you, Rabbi, and uh, Rabbi, for definitely bringing down these weekly aliyahs. These are definitely amazing. I know I've been blessed by them, and I know that a lot of people at the shul overhearing have also been. And uh, same to your podcast as well, as well as uh, um, Hasis's uh, Half Torah drops. They've been really good. So, Amen. Well, Toda Rabbah and Baruch Hashem. All right, so I will start off with the complete Jewish Bible, uh, chapter one of Romans. And you want me to just read one verse and then stop each verse, or do you want to kind of run it, read the whole thing, and then we'll go back? Yeah, I think that might be the best way because we might have some beep beep moments where we might want to be like, hey, uh, I'm thinking this, and I'll see something over here. So let's do that. Okay, so verse by verse. Verse by verse, about to do by it. Verse. That sounds great. All right. From Shaul, an Eved of Rebbe, Melech Hamashiach Yeshua, summoned to be the to be a Shleach set apart for the Besoras Hagula of Hashem. All right. Well, I say what I, I tell you what I, I mean. You get right out of the out of the gate there. That that has a lot in it right there. Right. Go for it. What you got? Well, I mean, just to just to say that he he is 
positioning himself as a, as a servant and a slave, like a bond servant to the Rebbe, the Rebbe being Yeshua, the ultimate Rebbe, um, and set apart for, for the purpose specifically of the of the Resoras, the, the good news of the Gula, of the redemption of the Jews out from exile back into uh, the land of Israel. And uh, one of the things, if you look at that word, Evid, I am in the Targum right now, and I'm going to search that out for us. So I want to make sure we cover that, because I think that is a very important word to know, because Shaul is not a lone wolf, a wild ranger, or uh, just a crazy lone gunner. He definitely is a part of a group, and so being an Evid doesn't make you the cream of the crop it doesn't make you on top of the world and it doesn't make you the number one go-to guy so just to put all that out there because you know what's crazy about it is Shaul is always propped up against against Torah observance and as we can see here he is an avid of the Torah because who is he an evid of? Yeshua HaMashiach, right? Who is the living Torah? So, evid, I'm almost there. It is... All right. Baruch Hashem. Evid, you ready for this? I'm ready. All right. So, it says, evid is a slave, a servant... As in, he who buys a Hebrew slave, so as to say, bought a master over himself, uh, dare a servant salute his master. These are kind of some examples, along with the definition. And then, um, here's one. It says, be not like the servants that wait upon their master for the sake of getting their fair reward. Another one for Evid, it also says that Potiphar buys the son of a handmaid, the Ishmaelites, and sets, and the free man, Yosef, is the slave of both. So, oh my goodness. And the last one, it says a worshiper. So, if you kind of look at what's going on here, in Judaism, specifically in the Torah portion of Mishpatim, we're going to see this whole section about bond servants, which are avidim or evadim in Hebrew. And when you are a person who becomes a bond servant or a slave or an evid, if you become that person, you actually enter into the household of the one who buys you and you're under their authority. And that person whose authority that you're under, they actually are required by Torah to take better care of you than they take of themselves. So when you think about Messiah Yeshua saying, I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve. Like he made himself as a servant to us and we make ourselves as a servant to him. So now you have this submitting to one another going on, but he is he is our master. But yet our master is willing to bow unto us. So how much more so should we be willing to bow to him? And when you look at Evid being a worshiper, I mean, that just that just tells the whole story right there. Because what is it to be a worshiper? 
you give of yourself to the entity of which you're worshiping, which is why it's important for us to think about what are we actually worshiping in our lives? You know, in a day and age where technology, sports and all sorts of craziness is like running rampant. And it's like if we don't get control over these things, they take over our lives. So, you know, we have to be careful. So if you think about what do you spend most of your time doing, that is an element of worship. And that probably is like nails on a chalkboard and that feels like a punch to the stomach. And uh, trust me, I'm stepping on my own toes on this. But we all have to think about what are we giving ourselves to and spending a lot of time doing? Because that right there begins to show us what it is to be a worshiper. And that is the essence of an evid. So you become a slave to that which masters you. If Yeshua HaMashiach is our master, that by default means we're a slave to the Torah, to the word of God, to the righteousness of Hashem. Hashem. I think too, like the fact that, you know, worshiper, you know, the sacrifices, the Corban, you know, and, and all such is to bring near. So in a sense of, of a slave, really getting to know the nearness and uh, closeness of, of his master. Amen. Right? Because it's kind of hard to serve somebody you don't really know. <laughs> so um, I think the other one more important thing would be the shliach. So uh, if I can just drop that one in and then unless we have anything else, we can go on to verse two. So shliach here. Uh, Sheen Lamed Yod. It's just to add, I like out the fact that a servant. I mean, there's different. There were different types of servants, and there is now like the same. But uh, the one idea is is that the servant lived in the household of the master. Um, it wasn't just a hired laborer. Um, so living in the household correlates with living in covenant and living um, within the framework of, of Judaism and of Torah. Not not outside of it, and yet a servant. You know what I'm saying? It's like with inside the house, you serve. Not outside of it. Amen. That's a very, very beautiful point that you bring up. So I definitely thank you for sharing that. And here we go. Baruch Hashem, Shliach, Targum definition. It says a deputy, an agent. He, the husband, can appoint a deputy to hand her a letter of divorce. Or she can depute an agent to receive the letter of divorce. That is kind of awkward to to really use that example. But it also works that way for um, the betrothal. So you can send this person who is a shliach becomes like a proxy for the person who is uh, sending out. So shlach, which is the root of shliach, means to send out. And a person who is sent out is called a shliach which is where we get the English word apostle from. And so if you really go down all the way of the translations, so you have this other picture here. If Shaul is saying that he's an Evid, which he is, he's also saying he's summoned to be a Shliach, which he is. And then it says he is set apart for the Besora Hageula, the redeeming message of good news. Because when you look at the word Geula, that's the redemption. The Besora, that is the good news of redemption. The salvation that comes from the goodness and the grace of Hashem. So, with him being a Shliach, he is basically 
deputized by the Torah. So in other words, he should be the fulfillment and the embodiment of the spirit of Messiah, the spirit of Torah, and being subjugated to Yeshua, subjugated to the Torah as he is coming forth. So right out the gate, if you just do all of the connecting of the dots, Shaul is letting us know where he comes from. He's letting us know, I am Torah observant. I am sent by one who is Torah observant. So therefore, whatever message I'm going to give is going to come from that foundation. There's, there's that. I, I guess I'm going to add to it because I'm, I'm, uh, I'm on Kabad right now. And uh, uh, the Shliach yeah. Emissary uh, is an article here with, entitled by, let's see, it does not say actually right now. I'll just I'll read it here. Um, they are a team, husband and wife, Shliach and Shlioka, Shliok, if I'm wow. saying it correctly. Yeah. They are the, are the emissaries of the Rebbe, the representat- representatives of Lubavitch, the messengers of Kabad. Mm. They are the Shliokim. Within the Lubavitch community, the title Shliach invokes respect, perhaps even a tinge of envy. They are the chosen few, the elite. Children aspire to be Shliachim, dreaming of maining a Kabat house in far-off toxic lands, talking to the toxic lands where strange languages are spoken. The product of child, 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 uh, childish minds is an idolization dream free of the difficulties and traumas that beset the shliach in real life. The correlation between the Bavach and the Rebbe uh, and Kabad um, and how they use the terms and have used the terms and continue to obviously correlates with the, the ultimate Rebbe, Yeshua. Wow, so that is a a beautiful uh, construct for us to really look at. So if you can understand the way the Rebbe has sent out Shliakim to build Kabad houses, then you can get a better picture of what's going on in these letters because these letters would be Lapid houses because Mashiach is a Lapid. You know, he came preaching the message of repentance, which is actually what a Lapid is according to the Midrash Rabbah. So... That's a that's a very very beautiful uh, picture for us to compare with. So Todah Rabbah, and let's go ahead and drop into verse two, which Hashem promised beforehand through His Navim in the Ketivi Chakodesh. Come on, okay. So what is he talking about? What's that connected to? Yes, sir. Well, I definitely right away. You know, some people, especially with, when it comes to Christians, you know, they think this is a new message. Um, but uh, Shaul is making it clear that, no, this was promised beforehand. This is not a new message. They didn't change the story, the narrative um, of, the, of the good news of the Gula, of the redemption. And uh, it, was, it was the prophets that Hashem had spoken to before in the Holy Scriptures and now is speaking through his son, or has spoken now through his son, um, the same message. Wow. Which is like you're saying is, is, is Teshuvah. So basically the parable of the tenants where there were workers and they were like upset about, you know, kind of their status. And they're like, okay, so the master is sending, you know, his servants and then they, they kill his servants. They abuse them and all that. And then they send the son and they're like, well, if we take him out, then we can inherit, 
you know, like that whole kind of thing. Like they want to take out all of the servants, take out the son. And then ultimately, you know, now the master has no heir to give the inheritance to. And so it's just like, you think about Hashem already has given us this picture where the prophets have gone before us and then he sent Messiah Yeshua. So Hashem is the whole time like, listen to me, listen to me. Everybody has the same message. Oh, man. Yeah, that's good. That's in uh, Mark, Marcos uh, chapter 12. Yeshua speaks of that parable. That's so really good. That's really so some, some Hebrew definitions. Nevi'im is prophets. Kitve HaKodesh is the word for the Holy Scriptures. And that would be, Kitve is short for Ketuvim. So if you have what's called a Tanakh, which is the Torah, the prophets, and the writings, the writings are called the Holy Writings. So this is things like Proverbs, Psalms, Ecclesiastes, Lamentations, Daniel, okay? So like, if you're thinking holy writings sounds really weird and scripture sounds really weird, it's just like, well, you're talking about things like that. So I'm pretty sure we, we all can agree that those are definitely holy scripture. That's good. And um, just again, to just double back on that connection, that when we talk about the good news of redemption, the best, the Besorah Hageula, okay, like Hashem promised through the prophets and the holy writings. So this message that we see in the gospel accounts and in the letters and in Acts, this all came through Torah. This is all something been established before. So that's beautiful. That's right. And I, I would just back or confirm or say also that it's in the Torah itself, like you're saying, Moshe, obviously one of the greatest of prophets, second to Yeshua, um, he he obviously had spoken of the of the of the Gula as well, um, but here he's Shaul is speaking of primarily the the prophets right after after Moshe, right. And then the last, it's, it's all like you said, coming back to the same source. I mean, and you know, one of the things I was seeing as I was doing lots of research uh, using the encyclopedia, I might add, <laughs> that was fun. Um, there was this whole idea that. The the New Testament, I'm using that word because, I mean, to to give a better picture of what what we're trying to help clear up when it came to the New Testament, like what would constitute as this group of writings, the canon, it was saying that now because Messiah came, God is making a new Israel. And so this New Testament is supposed to supersede God's people and create a church and create new faith and things like that because it's supposed to be about the Holy Spirit resting upon people and not just temporary or things like that. So just so we sweep through all of that, Hashem has always, always renewed Israel. The covenant has always been looking forward to Messiah Yeshua, because Adam did not bring the tikkun to the world and to creation that he was supposed to bring because we ate from the tree. Yisrael, when we were set free from Egypt, literally clothed in the splendor of God's glory, filled with the Holy Spirit, living forever 
and all that, we decided to throw it all away by worshiping the golden calf. So the only thing left from that point on was the Messiah to be manifest into creation to come and finalize the process of the tikkun that was supposed to take place originally. So with that being said, all mankind was supposed to be walking in Torah, renewed, born again, filled with the spirit and walking with God in the cool of the day. That is the original. When we see Besorah Hageula, that's what we're talking about. And I would say, too, it's not, it is the only gospel, really. There is, there is no other gospel. That's right. I, I also uh, thought of um, a verse here in Yahoo 46.10, or Hashem says, Making known a karim, that is end time things, from Rashid, the beginning, Mekedim, from ancient times, the things that have not yet happened, saying, Mayetzer, counsel, purpose, or plan shall stand. And I will do all my pleasure. Wow. It's just that concept that he promises beforehand, um, the very, you know, bare sheet in the beginning, and this is his plan A, and he will stick to his plan. And if we are to say that uh, there's a new, new narrative, a new story, a new church, a new gospel, a new message, a new God, however you want to say it, um, we've been making out Hashem to be a liar, him being either a failure because he can't fulfill the plan A that he had, Therefore, he has to go and resort to Plan B. But either either way, it's it's no no good on us if, if we uh, we don't believe all that he has spoken and, and believe that he will do. Amen, amen. All right, on to three, I guess, huh? Yes, sir. All right. The good news of redemption of Hashem concerns concerns the Zun the Zun von der Oibeshetter Ben Elohim of Hashem, born from the Zarar. David, as far as Bessar is concerned. All right. So first thing, I want to jump on that Zun Fun Der Oibester. So that is, uh, I mean, that is as Yiddish as you can get. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds kind of like it, doesn't it? Right. It's like Oibester. It's like Oive, you know, but right. <laughs> um, the beautiful thing, if you have an Orthodox Jewish Bible in print, they have a glossary in the very back of all of the transliterated Hebrew. So when you look at this Zun Fun Der Oibester, it says that translates as son of Rabbeine, Rabbeine Shel Olam, which is very, very Ashkenazi because it's Rabbeinu, and, uh, which is our rabbi. So son of our rabbi of everlasting. So son of the everlasting rabbi, basically. <laughs> so what wow. this, this is saying that the good news of redemption of Hashem concerns the sons of the everlasting rabbi, which is the son of Hashem, Elohim. And you said born of David, born of the seed of David. As far as the flesh is concerned. So Zera is seed. We have a Torah portion called Tazria, which is when a woman shall conceive. So when we talk about conception in Hebrew, it's from the word Zera. So if you see that word, it means to conceive or to give seed and, and to basically become pregnant. So when we look at here that the son of the everlasting rabbi you know, it is 
the one who comes from the lineage of David when it comes to the flesh. So that's important because all of Jewish literature talks about the Messiah Ben Yosef and the Messiah Ben David. Ultimately, Messiah Ben David will be the ruling and reigning king. And for him to be Ben David means he has to be a son of David. Ben equals son. This verse says that the good news of redemption, the Besora Hageula, concerns the son of David. So when you just step back and think about what that means, Hashem already knew before creation, before we even sinned, before we needed tikkun, that we were going to ultimately be under the rulership of Messiah ben David. So now that Messiah ben Yosef has come, which he has, so that's the beautiful thing about believing in Messiah Yeshua, walking in Torah, you get to see all the connections. Kol Hator brings down that Messiah ben Yosef has to precede Messiah ben David because Messiah ben Yosef reestablishes the dynasty of David. Because I don't know if y'all know, but the, the dynasty of David was broken with the exile of Rome, with the exile of Greece and with the exile of Persia. So you kind of look at the last few kings over over Yehuda, which is uh, Judah. There, there was kind of like tapering off into the exiles. So it is through Messiah ben Yosef that the prayers that we pray in the Amidah every day reestablish the throne of David speedily and soon in our days. That is what Messiah Yeshua did. So Messiah ben Yosef inaugurates the throne and then Messiah ben David is the one who sits on that throne. And where is Messiah Yeshua? Exalted at the right hand of the Father, sitting to his right. So wow. that's, that's what the gospel is about, bringing us into the, the process of the tikkun being completed. And that's what we're praying for is manifested in completion speedily and soon in our days. Amen. Amen. That's good. I like the idea of... Hashem being the ultimate, like the Rebbe. I mean, him, because he taught Moshe on Mount Sinai. And, right. and therefore, he us, you know, his Torah as we, we say in the blessing as well. So you're, you're saying like Moshe is called Moshe Rabbeinu, which is Moshe, our rabbi. But our rabbi's rabbi is Hashem himself. To us, yeah, his Torah. Well, that's legit. All right, let's keep going. Got about a... Uh, about a couple of minutes left here on the podcast, so I oh, wow. guess we're gonna get through. Go too far, but uh, it's good to go through each verse. So, okay, so chapter uh, verse four here. But as far as the Rokol Kodesh is concerned, appointed to be Ben Elohim in power by means of Mashiach's Takiyah resurrection from Messim. All right, but as far as the the Ruach Kodesh, which is the Holy Spirit is concerned appointed to be ben elohim and power by means of the resurrection from the dead keep going because i think he's not in the middle of a thought here yes uh, i guess so uh through him and for the kavod of his name we have received unmerited sheen va chesed hashem and she close shalakos for the kulis purpose of bringing about the mish the mishmaat of amuna among all nations all right, so when it comes to the Ruach HaKodesh, 
which is appointed to and there's our alarm Rukashem. we're gonna wrap it up here shortly so um so as far as the ruach Kodesh is concerned appointed to be the son of god and power by the means of the resurrection from the dead so basically what we're doing is we're connecting the fact that the Ruach HaKodesh is what was exerted in the body of Mashiach Yeshua to bring him forth from the dead, which is the whole picture of why is the Ruach HaKodesh instilled and sealed within us, because we experience the resurrection through our Imuna and Mashiach Yeshua. Therefore, we have been uh, crucified with him. No longer we live, but he lives in us, right? And as we have died with him, we've also been raised with him. So you kind of look at this, these pictures that are going on. And so that is the power of the Ruach HaKodesh. It is to take something that was dead and to regenerate it. So when we look at why is it so important for us to be attached to Messiah Yeshua is because we're attaching ourselves to regeneration. And that's through the Ruach HaKodesh. So that's why we have to be sealed and filled with the Ruach HaKodesh. Then it says, through him and for the glory of his name, we have received chen v'chesed, which is grace, from Hashem. And then we have shlikut, which again is shliak. We are sent out now for the purpose of bringing mishmat, which is obedience of Amuna among all nations. And that's kind of where we where we where we kind of talked about already but because we're filled with the spirit of Hashem because we've been given this grace Hashem has sent us out now to go bring in the nations we're back to Matthew 28 so Shaul basically opens up the letter to the Romans stating Torah foundation fundamentals introducing that and saying we're all to be shliakim by the power of the spirit and bring in, bring in the nations. So teach the nations Torah. Yeah, I think, if you don't mind me adding, um, I just, I can see there's like, you know, there's two elements of the Mashiach. Obviously, we know Ben David uh, and then Ben Yosef. And he's tying the two in. He's, you know, obviously, it's the great expectation for most Jews that Mashiach will come from the line of David. But as far as, you know, but there's many men of the flesh who have, been descendants of David, and there continually are. But not only is he the son of David, but he also is a po this specific man from the from the line of David is declared to be the Mashiach by the power of the resurrection. And he goes right into through him and for his kavod of his name we have received unmerited in the chesed of Hashem and the close the taklis purpose of bringing about the mishmarat of Amuna among all nations. Almost saying, like, seems to be bringing down the fact that the expectation was for Ben David to, you know, ransack Rome to set up his kingdom and rule and reign. But almost like, you know, the story has halted. And now, as we can see through his resurrection, that first he had to die. Obviously, you know, you'd be raised before you, you know, unless you die, you need to be, you know, you can't be raised. So, so it's almost like he's he's pointing to the fact that that this that this uh, time frame is like the gap. Of the nations to come in um because the expectation was as it is for most jews today that the mashiach will come and bring shalom will rule and reign will you know set up his kingdom right then and there and shalom was bringing down um that as the story was for these some of these people that he's spoken to 
um, especially the converts, these Gentiles among the nations that he's calling in to become converts. This is a great a great point um, in which he's really making that clear that uh, it's through this through this uh, delineation, I guess you'd say this this pause in the storyline, so that not only Jews will receive the inheritance of the Geula, but even among the nations, Gentiles can can be called out from the from among the nations and join um, and be a part of of this Geula. Yes. Does that make sense? I mean, yes. You know, um, I mean, that is the point. That is that is that is the whole story of Exodus, which is a picture of our salvation, is that Hashem came into a place where we were in bondage and in need of uh, renewal. We were basically we were covenant people, but the covenant was broken you know, via slavery and bondage. We weren't truly able to be one in serving Hashem. And then there's this idea that there are other people who don't even know Hashem. And it's just like, as I'm saving my people, I want the whole world to become my people. And so that is the whole point of the exiles is to bring in the nations. You know, I mean, that literally is codified in Talmud. The purpose of exile is for the sake of making proselytes. So that's what you're talking about. We're to bring everyone through this, through this, you know, man, I just, it's so crazy right now. It's, it's literally connecting that. The thing is for us to truly return to Hashem, we have to be born again and we have to be regenerated spiritually because if Hashem took us out of exile and straight to the mountain, that would not work out well because nothing in the inside of us would change. And that's the thing about Messiah ben Yosef. He has to come and change our inside. He has to change our very existence. We have to go from being people who are prone to running to and cleaving and attaching to sin to being immersed renewed and now we're prone to and running to and attaching ourselves to righteousness and that is the point and as that is happening to us we're to go out and share that with other people who don't know anything about jewishness or judaism they don't know about covenant they don't know about hashem so that's what messiah ben yosef comes first for to get us prepared and ready for the kingdom of hashem established upon the earth through Messiah ben David, where we're all together, new people made righteous by the spirit of Hashem, walking in the Torah as a new creature, like new creations in Messiah. Wow. That is pretty much it. Um, I know we're over time, but for the sake of connecting it back to Torah, uh, this is something I sent you earlier that I just want to uh, make sure we share on the podcast this week. Because our key verse and commentary that surprisingly came up this week was Romans one twenty seven, So if you could read Romans one twenty seven for us, and then I'll drop this insight, and then we'll index our time. Likewise, also the male is abandoned sexual... Hey, is this right? Is the right crack one? Likewise, all the males abandoned sexual, natural sexual intercourse with the female counterpart were inflamed with the craving for one another. Males with males committing with what is indecent and receiving back in exchange themselves the retribution for their toyous error that's the complete jewish bible that's 127 correct 
So looking at that part where it says the exchange. So if you could repeat that one more time. Males with males committing what is indecent and receiving back in exchange in themselves the appropriate gemul retribution for their toy for their toyos error. All right. So this is kind of weird. I, 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 I understand. It's just kind of like we just went way like to the top of the awkwardness chart. But let's check this out. So, right. <laughs> so in um, Parsha Bo, which is in Exodus chapter 10, the key verse it says is in Shemot 10 2. So if we look at that verse, and uh, this is kind of an overview. It says God told Moshe specifically that the last three plagues will serve as a reminder for future generations of the Exodus account. The final three plagues come upon Mitzrayim to correspond to the three intellectual sefirot. So that's important because in in what's going on here, where men are leaving natural use. And we're doing all these weird things with what Hashem has created as actual order. We've exchanged that out for our own way of thinking. So the intellectual sephirot is understanding, wisdom, and knowledge. We've taken what Hashem has given us as natural order of creation, and we've taken it under our own understanding, our own wisdom, and our own knowledge. So that's what this verse is about. So when we look at that, Hashem used the last three plagues in Parshabo, the plague of the locusts, the plague of the darkness, and the plague of the death of the firstborn. Interestingly enough, on the plague of the firstborn, the Egyptians or any natural human person could not tell who was the firstborn. Only Hashem knew because of the level of immorality rampant in the culture of Mitzrayim. So when firstborns died, it was just kind of like, I did not know that was my firstborn. I did not know that person belonged to that child, you know, that child belonged to so-and-so. So it's just very, very immoral. So in other words, what we're looking at here is when you exchange Hashem's natural created order and you corrupt it, you receive just retribution for that because you're basically tampering with, you know, the foundation of, <laughs> of like all existence so that's good you're correlating that the fact that there's very similar um lifestyle practices or morality and such as it was in mitzrayim so it was in in uh, rome correct i mean we got what rome greek gods you know like that whole thing mount olympus and stuff you got um uh, the craziness that is going on of you know literally same sex you know, relations and, and things like that. And it's just like, whoa, okay, that's, that's not good. <laughs> so, um, and then just to finish with this last comment, and by the way, this, uh, insight comes from a gentleman named Gadai, uh, of Bet Yisrael. Uh, he is what I would hope to be a Lapid over in India. And I call him G Shekel. So, this is what he comments in his notes. He says that we were created in the image of God. Bereshit 1, 26 through 27. Also, 1 Corinthians eleven seven says, which is an invisible image of attributes mentioned in the verses that we've previously cited, namely Romans 1, 27. 
it's important for us to know that the image that we were created in is invisible and it connects to our intellectual knowledge, understanding, wisdom, which you can't see those things, but we were created in that image, which is the image of Hashem. Hashem used the plagues to bring correction for that. And, you know, we're supposed to return to Hashem and forsake these things and Baruch Hashem. Amen, amen. All right. Well, um, that was definitely an introduction. <laughs> I mean, just a few verses from the letter this week. But, you know, Baruch Hashem, what do we know? What do we know? You know, very, very good. Yeah, I mean, we're Jews, so we chew the cud, right? So that's good. That's right. Amen. You want to close off with a bracha? Yes, sir. If you will please do our closing bracha for us. All right, Baruch Hashem. Baruch Atah Adonai Eloheinu Melech Olam Asher Natan Lanun La Torah Admet Vakhi Ulam Natan Barat Kainu Baruch Atah Adonai Notena Torah Amen Amen Well, toda Raba Achi Toda for everyone joining us And with the help of Hashem We will be back next week To continue on in our journey all right, we'll see y'all then. All right, shalom and shavuot tov.